Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Craig and Steve cast that premium tent. About Flyers hockey, the duo vent. And whatever listeners shall be found, without the soul for getting down, must stand and face the whales of hell and say sorry, not sorry, to Cole Beasley's rap shell. Flyperbole is on the air. The stink of 100-plus eps and the worst puns uttered that you could seek are closing in to ruin your week. And though you try not to listen, your ears crave talk about nonsense and hockey, for no mere mortal can resist a Halloween edition of Flyperbole. Craig, have you ever bought a jumpsuit? I can't say I have. I just bought a jumpsuit for the the first time in my life as part of Halloween, you know, you go to Halloween parties, you got to go in character, and the character I chose to dress up as for Halloween wears a short sleeve jumpsuit. So, apparently, my one word of advice based on this experience, if you think you bought the right size jumpsuit, buy a size up. Yeah, a little tight on you? (laughs) Little tight, little tight, very uncomfortable, Uh, could not bend over very well. Okay, all right. Not for me. Not for me. What was the what was the costume? Have you seen The Good Place? You know, everybody's been telling me to watch that. I haven't watched it yet. I, I know, I know what it good. is, but but Jason Manzukis has a, a character. Oh hell yeah! Slight spoiler. He's on, he's on just a, a few episodes, but I was playing the Manzukis character, Derek. Oh, okay, all right. I like yeah, uh... but then the the main like. One of the like, not the main characters, not like we, me and me and girlfriend can go as, uh, you know, an obvious one. Of course, we have to be deep cuts because God forbid people recognize who we are immediately. Yeah, you got to explain it. I got gotcha. you. Like I couldn't be Ted Danson. I had to be a guy who is played by Jason Manzukis in like three episodes, <laughs> which is just my style. Um, but like M was uh, Janet, who is one of the like not top, like one of the more well-known characters and. I was, I was Derek. So, but it involved me buying a jumpsuit, which is not for me. I could not bend over, uh, difficult to go to the bathroom or really do anything. So no, thank you. Jumpsuit. So you're not for me. Real quick though. Is Jason Manzoukas, he's in a jumpsuit the entire show. Yes. All right. So you have me at Jason Manzoukas, but Jason Manzoukas in a jumpsuit. Oh man. I can't remember the last time I actually did something for Halloween. I, I'm pretty sure all I do is uh, I, I don't even like watch like scary movies or anything. I don't I don't hate you Halloween. Just cry, right? Yeah, I just lay around, just think about life, think about uh, candy. That's pretty much it. Don't eat candy. <laughs> just think about it. Do you even give out candy to trick or treaters or anything? Uh, no, I know I don't have a. There's not a lot of people that come by this uh, this apartment, so I don't really have to worry 
about that kind of nonsense, but uh, I get a ton of trick or treaters. I'm in uh, deep South Philly, a lot of trick or treaters out. And actually, so today's Halloween that when we're recording this and I had maybe the single most South Philly Halloween possible tonight. Oh God. <laughs> what does that even mean? Okay. So neighbors two doors down basically had a smoking lounge. So it was like being in a cigar lounge. Nice. Very kid friendly. Just wafting yes. down. Great. Very kid friendly. <laughs> awesome. A uh, lot of going like a lot of people just stopping in the middle of the street and going, yo, what are you up to? You fucking idiot. <laughs> okay. Very. So- All right. Yo, uh, what, what else happened? Very Philly South Philly esque <laughs> Philly boy, Roy. <laughs> I mean, just people stopping going like, yo, what's up? Uh, get to the water, that kind of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> things of that nature, the, the things of that nature. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, of course the, uh, slight, you know, uh, I don't know. People just worry about people outside the neighborhood coming into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is just wonderful. Yeah. Just warm, fuzzy feeling there. <laughs> oh, boy. And then the single most ridiculous thing to happen is a rat just appeared on the street. Was it trick or treating? It was not. Right. Well, I guess it was. Just not in the conventional But it was manner. not. Nobody gave it candy. Yeah. And also the rat did not have a pillowcase, I assume. Or maybe, did he have a... No. I didn't see okay. one. I didn't see one. But it would, I just all of a sudden hear a commotion, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? I look down the street, and people are going like, I just saw a rat! I just saw a rat! Went under the car! I see it! And then somebody at one point tried to say, I, I think it was just a squirrel. And then it runs out in the middle of the street. Just, there it is. There's no denying it. It's a rat. It's a <laughs> So what what do the neighbors do? Well, the first reaction is to squirt it with a hose. Yeah, as one does. All right. As one does. It's very <laughs> effective towards killing a rat, squirting it with a hose, which draws it to the other side of the street. So the rat's scurrying to the other side of the street. And then somebody gets a broom, starts sweeping aggressively at the rat, and then somebody else gets a trash can, and they trap it in the trash can. And? I don't know what happened. Oh, God. That. Oh, no. But they trapped it, and I think our friend the rat is in rat heaven now. <laughs> our friend the rat. What a creative name for the rat. <laughs> friend the rat. <laughs> Wait, are you assuming that the I'm I've named the rat our friend? <laughs> our friend. Much as you wanted to name the mascot <laughs> our mascot. <laughs> our friend the rat. How big of a rat are we talking here, by the way? It's like a bigger than a football. like it was a good foot yeah it was, that is a, I, yeah it was pretty big i don't think i've ever seen a rat irl seen many of mice uh, i've never seen a rat outside of the subway before today big fan of subway i mean come on the subway that's her rats thrive i feel like that's her it's where, yeah that's her home base it, it's their home base it's where they raise four uh mutant turtles to fight crime <laughs> eating a lot of pizza Eating a lot of pizza. I had, I remember, not to get too off the uh, the rat topic, but my college had a... We could get off the rat <laughs> topic. I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> my college's freshman dorm... Well, I'm not straying too far. My college's uh, freshman dorms had a huge like mouse problem. And I remember freshman year, my roommate and I saw, like second semester, 
first couple of weeks, we saw like eight or nine in the room, like just running around, like in between like holes in the wall or whatever. And we we're like, this is insane. Yeah. And we go out, get mousetraps, put three of them down. As soon as I put the third one down, I go to wash my hands. I come back and two of them are already like filled with mice. And I was just like, this is fucking bananas. <laughs> I don't think they were trick or treating. I think they were just being uh, mice inside of a building. When uh, when was the last time you went trick or treating? What is the acceptable cutoff for trick or treating? Is it middle school? Middle school tends to okay. be the acceptable. So not. I, I think 25. middle school. Like, in fact, I can tell you the last time I attempted to trick or treat. Because guess what? It's actually flyers related. Oh, all right. I was going to be an undead hockey player in my Eric Lindros jersey. I put on too many layers. And I passed out. You passed out? I passed out because I overheated myself by putting on too many layers. And undead Eric Lindros didn't get to go out on the town and trick or treat. He stayed at home being sad. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's the first and only time I've ever seen Eric Lindros uh, not know what's going on. Right? No? All right. Never mind. <laughs> too soon? I think it's Good too God. soon. Yeah. Good God, you're fired. I was going to. You said undead flyer, and I was gonna. I kind of. I, I didn't want to say anything. I will say it kind of set it up. It yeah. kind of set it up. Undead flyer did not want to reach into the uh, the memory bank of uh, who I might say for that one. But I want. Uh, what is your what, what's your favorite candy to get on? My home? favorite candy. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cup. I fucking hate Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm not gonna lie. You're a monster. I get off my show. I feel like the last I wanna say the last a thousand Reese's peanut butter cups I've had have all been melting or in the process of melting. You gotta freeze them. Now sure, I might be eating them in the middle of July on the sun, but that's not that's no excuse for it to be melting. You, <laughs> you just have chocolate and peanut butter all over your heads, like why isn't this good? I'm just sitting on my furnace, just like elbows on the furnace. I don't know why this is why does it keep melting? What's your go-to candy? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I usually go for the, uh, the sweeter stuff like, uh, sour patch kits, SPKs. Okay. Uh, Skittles, big fan of Skittles. Uh, and that, I mean, I, I, I don't usually, obviously I don't eat as much candy as I did when I was younger. So I don't really have, uh, too many go-to. It, it's pretty much just Skittles. Now it's the only candy I really get. And at Halloween, See, I think that was the one I used to be most most pumped about. Like every once in a while, there would be people in our neighborhood that would hand out like full bags of Skittles, not just the Halloween size, and be like, "Oh fuck yeah, this, yeah!" And then trying to go there a second time, but it never worked. I gave out tonight Reese's cups, uh, Kit Kats. Oh, Kit Kats are good. Starbursts and Dum Dums. Little kids friggin' love Dum Dums. I did love Dum Dums. That is actually one that I completely forgot about. I do. The Starbursts were the last to go, though. I do like. Was, uh, uh, Alex Reese's went, then Kit Kat, then Dum Dums, then Star. Or uh, yeah, Starburst. Where do we as a country stand on Starburst? Starburst is good, right? I feel like everybody. Starburst is good, but people tend to prefer. There's the the preference order goes pink, red, and then who gives a shit? I okay. Do you put orange above yellow? I don't know. I, it blows my mind that yellow is not dead last. I talked to somebody before whose favorite. Color. I think most people put orange above yellow. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody before who put yellow as their first choice, and I was like, "You're." I had to make sure they weren't kidding or like trolling me, and I was like, "You're, you're not a criminal. Like you're not, 
a terrorist. This is actually a real opinion that you're having. I'm actually reporting you to the Department of Homeland Security <laughs> yeah. right now. I was just like, this is insane. I, I do enjoy Kit Kats too, but yeah, I think I think the thing is just all the all the chocolate needs to be it needs to be frozen, which is uh, you know I don't know, uh, not a big deal, but I do enjoy. I think I just enjoy the sweeter stuff more. Do you? Where do you stand on candy You're just corn? Just a sweet guy. You're just a sweet hey, guy. What Greg. can I say? Just always being polite and smiling. Just enjoying my sweetness. Candy corn was your question. Where do I stand on candy corn? I am kind of indifferent to candy I corn, I and I know too. that's blasphemy yeah. to uh, to noted it's, Flyers it, Twitter fan Jeff Mag. Yeah. <laughs> I feel. I also feel like it's just a. Uh, I don't know if it's just even him anymore. It feels like a fence you can't sit on. You have to either love candy corn or hate it. And, uh, but you can't sit on fences anymore, Craig. Yeah, it's, it's just whole, in this country, this country you know, the you, climate, you have to make a choice. Yeah, this, this current climate out there is just, it's unreal. Just unreal. I mean, just let me. And, and let's talk about Bernie. <laughs> let's not. Let's talk about Gritty <laughs> and Antifa. No. Finally, well, the I, episode we've been waiting for. <laughs> well, you know, Gritty's no longer on top. <laughs> On the left because the flyers are union busters now so. <laughs> i okay yeah i mean that might be the single most ridiculous flyers news i've seen in the past month I, are you talking about the thing in boston yeah yeah all i saw were pictures i didn't actually read up on that whole situation do you know i i hope nobody was actually taking that seriously that like because the flyers uh walked past a group of striking uh, hotel workers and were staying at that hotel that was booked presumably months before yeah. that they like were just like screw this union like, <laughs> yeah it's probably just hey we have to go lose a hockey game so we're gonna walk by real quick exactly and they lost horribly in that yeah, yeah i mean yeah if you had any worries that they felt guilty about walking past uh that whole situation they they definitely made up for it on the ice by pretty much just publicly farting for three hours uh, there's no other way to explain what that game was. Oh, there was just they shit the ice essentially. <laughs> it's not shit the bed; it's shit the ice. Yeah, they did. They did pretty good. They did a lot of that this week. But uh, oh yeah, even <laughs> which game Man. really just got you the most out of the past few, Craig? Oh, I, so I think my turning point game was the Bruins one, and then the Islanders one was the one that made me lose my mind. To the point now where I've changed my opinion on uh, on a few things, but the the Bruins one was terrible just because I think the broadcast groups have pissed me off too because that first period was the most boring, unenthusiastic period of my life, and everybody was like, "Good first, row, like good road period." I'm like, "No, no, they didn't do shit. They just didn't give up a lead," which I know is an improvement it, for this team, but it's not like it's not a thing the, that we should the hang The Flyers. Sorry to cut you off there, but the Flyers this year, like it seems like when they're boring, that's like, oh, they played good. <laughs> yeah, when they aren't giving up numerous end-to-end chances, yeah, that's that's when they're doing pretty well. And then the thing I talked about it on uh, on Monday too, but just I think Chris Terrian just not remembering McDonald's name when on the play where McDonald turned it over and had the puck go off of him, and then he was also on the ice for the penalty kill goal. And he just also forgot his name. Remember Robert Hag and uh, Brian Elliott's name, but just didn't remember McDonald's name. And then we had to listen to Jim Jackson talk about a ghost turnover that had no impact on the game for three plays. And I was like, all right, guys, can we not 
Like, it, everybody's playing like shit, but let's not pretend like McDonald just started playing like shit with everybody else. Like, he's been bad for a while. It doesn't matter how much you forget their, like, forget his name. We all know he's been bad. You cannot say his name, know, but Craig. we can see the replays. <laughs> I, I don't know, Craig. Do you think Ivan Provorov struggles have made Andrew McDonald struggle? In I, think, I think that's what it comes to. I think we need to put Provorov back with McDonald, and that'll solve all the issues. By the way, Provorov actually looked decent last night. That might be... Provorov, Konechny, and Patrick looked good last night, and I think that's the only positive thing that's happened all week. <laughs> like, Haxtell still has a job. That's a negative. Uh, they've come out and not tried for three of their last four games, which I would consider a negative. And uh, it doesn't... I don't know, Steve. It's, uh, it's real hard room for this team right now. <laughs> That's my right, right. Well, that's my stance. The the Islanders game that, was a turning that, point for me because yeah. I had no expectations with that Bruins game, right? Like Flyers Bruins just usually seems goes like a mismatch. Bad, yeah. yeah, it usually goes bad. But the Islanders suck. So yeah. I'm like, hey, they might be able to pull this one off. The Devils suck and they beat the Devils previously. So maybe they'll beat another sucky team. And they go out and they just play a terrible, terrible Pretty game bad. against the Islanders. Just like I sat down, I, w- I went to a bar and watched the first two periods. And after the third goal, I just finished whatever was left of my beer, settled up. And I'm like, I'm out of here. No, I, I can't. By the way, I, there were three more goals after that one. They, uh, they oh, I know. <laughs> they gave up six. I game. left at the right time. They gave up six to a team that is led in scoring by Valtteri Filpula. So, yeah, they're kind of an offensive dynamo, that unit over there on Long Island. But I and a bunch of the goals they gave up in that game, it just like the Islanders were perfecting tic tac toe passing plays. It's like where the fuck? Where is the defense? Where is anybody to break up? It's the Islanders. You're not playing the Globetrotters. Do you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> what's uh, two of these passes? And today the Philadelphia Flyers will be played by the Washington <laughs> yeah. Generals. That's what it. Just so, I want you, you can blame it on the goaltending, but some of those goals weren't even on Neuvert. It was just. Guys were left wide open. Most players slam, slam those shots home. I, I don't know. I mean, you'd think that a guy like Neuverth is coming back, playing his first game in a real long time. The team would rally and try to play tighter defense. And instead, just... Yep, just nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. is, I think last night there was a little bit... It wasn't even the entire team just collectively woke up. It was a couple guys. Like, Patrick, like I said, Patrick and Konechny kind of played like their their hair was on fire and they just were pretty much going full force the entire game. I mean, connecting had a bunch of good plays. He uh, fucked with Getzlaff in the beginning. He had a bunch of chances in the offensive zone where he was blown by defenders. He had, he had a good player where he blew by Cam Fowler and set up a, a cross cross ice chance. Patrick, do you think he called Getzlaff bald? Probably. Do I? That has to be everybody's go to with Getzlaff, right? That or he looks like an actual duck. Like he looks like. <laughs> If you made a duck a human and made him kind of tall, I think it would look like Ryan Getzlaff. I'm very happy that that, that Anaheim drafted him. Quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack. Because there's no other... Uh, it just feels very fitting that he was on. It would be like, you know, like Paul Ranger need to play for the Rangers. Or like we were talking about, uh, Marislav Shatan need to play for the Devils. Never did. Yeah. True tragedy. So Getzlaff, True tragedy. Getzlaff actually looking like a duck and playing for the Ducks is probably one of the best things that's happened in the in uh, Anaheim's uh, Anaheim's history. So uh, Patrick also had uh, man when Phil Flyer finally comes up. 
<laughs> yeah. All bets are off. Um, uh, Patrick had a couple, obviously had the really good goal to win it, which is a great play by Oscar Lindblom. And as uh, Bill likes to say, and I'm joining in on it, the uh, plays behind the net. Just fucking create plays behind the net and set them up in front. And that's how you'll get a lot of goalies off guard. And that's how they won the game yesterday. Uh, Pat Limblom right behind the net. Stop to Patrick with this slot. point bullshit, guys. And it's like, I know you have good offensive defensemen, but stop with this point shot bullshit. Whenever they cycle, too, it's uh, except for last night, it's usually been just around the boards and then they pass it back to the right. point. And like they last cycle night, to the point where they get pinned against the boards, and it's like, what are you even doing out there? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, and last night, I, I think that they looked, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the hockey for this chart now for the the Ducks uh, shots against, but the the Flyers got to the the high danger chances, the high danger areas last night, like the home plate area. They got into the slot, the the area right above the crease. They got down there and got chances like that. But I'm saying that's more because Anaheim is terrible defensively, and they love to do that with anybody they're playing. And I'm pretty sure when you look at yeah. You look at their shots a lot of five and five he met on um Hockeyvis and you know the redder an area is the more chances they give up in that area. And the crease, uh top of the left circle, the slot and the top of the right circle, it looks like a paw of just like beat red because all they do is just let teams walk into that area and pound their goalie with chances. And I don't like I don't <laughs> I hate Hacksaw, and I'm pretty sure most of the fan base does right now, but I couldn't imagine rooting for a Randy Carlisle team. I think I want to claw my eyes out. Because, like, the <laughs> Flyers, I mean, the Flyers came in dead as any team I've ever seen, and they just walked in and, and were creating chances left and right. So I want to see them do that against other teams. I think yesterday it was just the opponent. And, and I mean, even when you look at uh, Drew's assist, they were still, I know one was on the power play, so he was in, in his usual power play spot, like, above the... The, the right circle, but the the Provorov assist, he got into the zone and kind of like straight near the blue line, uh, top of the circles, like that area, and a lot of shot gal. So they still weren't really, I, they still weren't really driving to the hard areas, which is just, I don't know, I don't know how the system has been in place for so long, and then they wonder how the team doesn't score enough goals, I guess, but it, it it's all, I, it's all coaching to me, Steve. So I've come down to. Uh, there's no way the entire team is this bad. Uh, well, we talked about this before. They have at least the talent. I mean, look, JVR's out, but yeah. they have at least a couple lines of really good offensive NHL talent, and they're they're not doing shit with yeah. it. Yeah. Do you think? Okay, so if JVR was healthy, do you think this team looks drastically different? I think they look better. But not drastically different. Yeah, like, I, I think, think they look better. I I do think it makes a couple. It, they might win a couple of those games that they lost, or at least come closer. But I don't think it's enough where they're just that significantly better. Yeah. So like they're eight and four instead of five and seven. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So and, like I. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think that's what's going to be used as an excuse for Hackstall. What Hackstall is probably going to be like the go-to thing to say about why he hasn't can't all yet. But, I mean, I don't know how much a, a left winger is not going to be on your top line really impacts a game-the-game basis. Like, there are still flaws everywhere else with the team. 
Like, I don't think, I mean. Well, the defensive system is the, bullshit. The defensive, the yeah. penalty killing is among the worst in the NHL easily. Yeah. And I don't know what him passing the puck back to the point is really going to change if he was healthy. And, well, and the the power play is also power play has been great either. Yeah, that was something else I did on Monday too. Was I like we keep dunking on Hackstall and yeah, the PK sucks, but the power play hasn't really been great either. So all the coaches kind of need to be under the microscope right now. Yeah, like my block. I, I mean, think I everybody know. everybody's just at the point, and I know a lot of people have been at that point for a while, but. I think it's reached full saturation where the entire fan base is just tired of the current look of this team, the current style of this team and needs to move on. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think we said it last week too, but it's just, we were promised a little bit more this year. They should have been better from the jump because JVR getting hurt does suck, but you're also without Phil Manning now. And I know Folan isn't exactly the greatest defenseman, but, if he's in for McDonald's, yeah, he's, I think he's better than McDonald's still, too. So if you have him in, that's still an improvement to the defense, in my opinion. And they, they should they should be better than 5-7, and seven, and they should look a lot better than they have. Because they don't, I don't really think they really look like a 5-7 and seven team. Like this, they haven't looked this bad in a while. And I know, um, I know Brad talked about it for the site, that the longest, Haxel is the longest tenure or fifth longest tenured NHL coach. Can do you know the four ahead of him? Uh, Quenville. Quenville is in his eleventh season. He's the longest. Not Tortorella, right? Not Tortorella. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I might blank on two the of the last, other ones. Went to the the Stanley Cup final in the last few years. Um, Sullivan. Not Sullivan. Not Sullivan, damn. Sullivan that's, came that's in. That's right. Sullivan was a couple months after um, Hextall. Heck yeah, yeah. Uh, that's depressing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody expected. Mike no, Sullivan no, to do I. With the Penguins, for the record. No, it was more just. Uh, but I mean, that's how bad Mike Johnston was. Was he brought the team that that much, and Mike Sullivan made it? I mean, Mike Sullivan's system does work with what they have. Like, I think his system fits their roster pretty well and i think uh rutherford has done a really good job of bringing in players that made that system work the first couple of years like the mode mobile defensemen that aren't that great but sergey gontrar gets his hands on them and they apparently start doing better with the exception of jack johnson i think they've got a little bit too much off of that one because uh oh boy but okay so quinville's number one cooper john cooper second he's in the seventh season okay. right now i believe uh, boy, I'm I can't believe how much I'm blanking on this, but I think that also speaks to how often coaches, coaches okay. change yeah, in yeah. the NHL. You want me to just give you the other two? One of them I don't yeah, think you ever get. Uh, Paul Maurice is the third longest tenure coach in Winnipeg, which is was kind of surprising to me. But when you think about it, he's been there for a minute. And then Peter Lavie, a little surprising. But they've had a process. Oh, Lavie. Yeah. Oh, Lavie. By the way, uh, the, the the bull, the Jets thing. By the way, I think. So looking at the Jets I, is ideally how you would expect Hextall's playing the go. Shoveldayoff has not traded anybody in forever. He traded Vander Kane because he had a whole issue in the locker room. And besides that, he pretty much just drafted and developed everybody. And then they got pretty lucky and got Patrick Lani at number two. They jumped up to number two in a year where Patrick Lani was second overall. 
but that team is pretty set to go right now. And it, it took a minute. It took a while. It took a, a couple years in Winnipeg for them to get to this level. And I'm, I'm willing for that to happen, but I just don't think the Flyers need to get lucky again because they got lucky to get Patrick. I love Patrick. He's not going to be a franchise-altering player like a Patrick Laine or an Austin Matthews or uh, like a Jack Eichel, like somebody where you would win and move up. Like that, the 2017 draft was just really weak at the top. And Patrick's going to be a good player. Like I think he's going to be very good. I think he will have plenty of 60 to 65-point seasons, probably higher. But, I mean, Laine's got maybe the best shot in the league behind Oh, line A shot yeah. is amazing. And I love that, by the way, he's getting shit right now for not just killing it out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he'll like he raise the expectations that high. Yes. Which, which just means he'll probably go on some crazy hot streak at some point this season. Okay. But besides, besides Winnipeg, there's four coaches. One guy has won three Stanley Cups. John Cooper got his team to the final. And. The Eastern Conference final twice. Paul Maurice got there the the Jets to the final or the Western Conference final last year, and then Lobby Light got him to the Stanley Cup final uh, two years ago. At, granted, they have better teams, but I mean, do you see? Well, we we had Laviolette here. We had Laviolette, yeah. and frankly, the way he was fired didn't make sense. But it was clear that I don't know at the time with the personnel in this club, it was not working yeah. out. Yeah. And I weirdly though, he'd be a better. So, yeah. So do you, what personnel do you think works with Haxtell? I guess is a good question. I just, I haven't really thought about like, you know how solving into a situation where he had the right personnel to work with on lobby, like got released because he didn't have exactly the best personnel here. What personnel do you think suits Haxtell's coaching style? Well, Couturier, I would say, Okay. I think he's done well with Couturier and um That's the best thing he's done is putting Giroux on the wing with Couturier. Yeah. I don't I think mean, it's close. It resulted in a career year for Giroux yeah. and Couturier. So yeah, I'll give him that one. I don't know if he works that well with Couture, uh with Giroux consistently, but uh there are certainly results to be found. Yeah. At least for one season. I do I you know, it's it's funny because last year a bunch of guys had career years. And I just kind of wonder, like, I think he deserves some of the credit for that. But at the same time, I think he also deserves credit for how much there's supposed to be regression. But at the same time, this isn't just guys not getting bounces. They just collectively, they all just look out of sorts, I guess. Yeah, there's something weird here. And if you recall, when Laviolette was fired, part of the reason he was fired was the Flyers had one of the worst training camps they had ever seen. That team just looked out of sorts in training camp and came into the season just completely out of sorts. Yeah. And I mean, and they they look like shit now. We're 12 games into the season, and there's been other points over Hacksaw's tenure where they just haven't looked. I don't know. Like, they, they had that 10-game winning streak in 16-17, and then I think they won one out of their next 14 games in regulation. Had the ten game losing streak last year where deserves a couple more breaks. But I I, I don't know. It, it just this feels like another season where they're gonna be a first round playoff exit. Like they'll eventually 
start winning some games. It won't be in pretty fashion, but they'll piece together some kind of winning streak and get to be a wild card or third spot team in the division, and then they're going to get cranked in the first round. And for a team, I mean, my expectation was they were going to actually compete in the first round and get out of it. And I don't know. I don't know how much longer we can keep doing the same exact thing, especially this year when it's supposed to be a year of progression. Like, are we gonna are we gonna be here two years from now with Hextall and Hextall, and it's the same thing where we're just waiting on kids to develop? I, I'm fine with the waiting for the development thing, but I mean, even with Winnipeg, they they had oh my god, what was the guy's name? They had they had somebody before Maurice when they started doing all this. So I mean, there have been people who have developed, though. I got to give, I got to say that there are people who have developed Provorov. I mean, at least came out fully formed, Yeah, but he's, you know, these last few games have been rough, but Provorov's the number one defenseman in this league. He's a number one defenseman on this team. And I think Gostas bear has been fantastic. Uh had some bumps and I feel like he should have progressed more. And do you okay? So are all these? I feel like all. What other kids are the problem though? That's that's where I'm. That's where I I run into a little bit of trouble with the like oh waiting for the kids to develop like Carter Hart's not ready as I think we've seen oh, no, from no, these no, mixed no. results I, in the AHL. I'm talking about um like the overall waiting process for these guys to be up. Like a bunch of the guys aren't ready yet, but I think it's also just stuff like. There seems well, to the be... problem is there are guys that are up currently it's and they're doing well. It's just, it doesn't, it hasn't quite meshed in a way that I think it's needed to, uh, yet. I think so. My, my stance is I it's really, who, I, I'm sorry. I just like, who else are we really waiting for? I, I Morgan Frost, right? They just drafted Farabee and O'Brien. They're a few years yeah. away. Uh, they're probably more likely just like in the pipeline guys. Right. Uh, to refuel in a couple of years when Drew's a little older and everything. Um, I guess the thing is like d- you definitely wanted the the JVR, um, like JVR signing was really big and it was nice to see them fill out what we thought was their top six at the time, but might be their top nine. I don't even yeah. understand anymore. <laughs> um, I don't. It's it's a weird thing, man. It's a it's a weird team. And I'm not really sure. I think there has been progress. I think they're in Hextall's done an amazing job with the cap. You got to give him. No, 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 no. This isn't about Hextall and the cap. This isn't about Hextall getting the prospects we need. I think my thing is just, I, if we're going to draft and develop, I would like to draft and develop. And you have a guy behind the bench who, uh, I mean, Sanheim was pretty much yo-yoed between not playing and the AHL last year for no reason. Like he just, right. He could have, I felt like if you just sucked it up in the beginning of the season, you could have had Sanheim, what Sanheim was at the end of the season, like we saw with Patrick in the progression well, from the I, so, start to the end. And I think, right. Verubia, but there's certain, Verubia, um, you know, it didn't look great in the beginning. And I mean, he didn't look great when he got sent down, but I would rather kind of say, like if we're going to beat a team that consistently or for the next couple of years is just bordering between not making the playoffs and a first round exit, I'd rather sit through games and knowing that we're at least going through a growing process rather than a game that it, it, these games feel like empty calories. Like it's a, it's a game where Dale Weiss is on the third line and we're struggling to beat the ducks. 
And I don't know if that's really... We have plenty of prospects. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the kids that could be up be up now and just kind of going through growing pains. I'd rather be going through growing pains than this team making decisions to be competitive and then not being competitive because the system sucks and the coach just doesn't know which buttons to press. Is my stance. Right. This is one of those those areas where I don't really know the science behind development right and, and what is detrimental and what is not because if i knew a little more on that i could maybe argue with you yeah. or not argue with you but i mean i just don't know man no that's fine i don't know and i i there is inconsistency over which guys they'll stick with and let struggle and which guys they won't like Provorov, they just threw in there uh patrick so it seems like with the guys that are I guess Provorov and Patrick are both top 10 picks, right? Yeah. So top 10 pick, you can struggle and like keep in there. But Everybody beyond does. that, yeah. who knows what he's going to do? He, he, th- there's been some fuckery, right? There's been yeah. some fuckery with Konechny and Sanheim that's pissed people. And Limblom. And Ghost. And Ghost. Yeah. And Limblom. Well, that's, well and this is, that's what I mean. It's. But at the same time, I don't know, man. It's. The thing is, the. <laughs> The coach is trying to win games, but the thing is, does the coach not have no idea what he's doing? Yeah, I. Well, and that's another thing too. Is I think there's just a mixed message. I tried to explain that eloquently on Monday. I don't think it came across, but there's a mixed message between. This is why you can't rebuild and compete at the same time. I, and I would rather than just kind of buy into just rebuilding, because you can't try and draft. You can't try and develop players. And then fucking scratch Vorobiev and uh, downgrade guys because you want to put Weiss on the third line or something of that nature. Or you want to play, I don't know, like you, you're going to scratch Ghost to teach him a lesson and then keep Brandon Manning and McDonald in there. Like it, it's a, if they were closer to actually competing to get deep in the postseason, I think these moves would make more sense. But I think it's just a point where I, I would rather them just kind of focus on bringing up the kids like just focus on getting the kids as much playing time and as much experience as possible and then those kids kind of become vets on the team next year next two years next couple years and then you keep just bringing young kids in and maybe the pain process won't be as long but i i still don't like i i think hackstall too it's not maybe not overall games like he made he would make decisions that definitely were correct decisions in the long run like the drew to wing idea but i think it's just every game i feel like he just does something that you know before it happens it's just a a bad idea or like it's just not right right like oh uh, yeah know, like maybe this is gonna be starting tonight in the second line yeah, it's like maybe maybe this isn't gonna work and and again like latera and Weiss, i mean they suck but they're not like they're not even the things i'm really upset with about this team right now well what upsets me with hackstall is this this weird conservative i guess attack plan game plan that he throws in there and when he does try to get aggressive it's half-assed in a terrible way and it's just i think my biggest problem is his his main strategies are not paying off right now and they're they're 
failing in an almost spectacular fashion sometimes, like that Islanders game. And also, and speaking to the, the um, conservative style too, every single time they have a lead in the third, they still are going into, tur- they're still turtling. Like last night, they just let the Ducks kind of dictate play in the third period. And it always, it always seemingly backfires, even against a team like the Ducks. They could have, if they had just played the third period, like they played the first and second period, they probably pull away let alone not getting tied. And I just. Right. Well, here's the thing. If you have the puck in the offensive zone, the other team can't score. Hard score when you're in your defensive zone. Although, right. I mean, actually, did you see that goal last night from Derek Stepan? Yeah. yeah. So by the way, what does, and I, I know somebody tweeted at it, but the very first thing I thought of was Steve Mason, unfortunately, <laughs> and it was a very bad, very bad memories, <laughs> but him, Fessa Toscula, I mean, it's happened to a bunch of guys. Sure, sure. Uh, John Van Beesbrook is the one I remember. That used to be. Uh, I remember it. it was like NHL. That would. Uh, that was Danny Fortuna who. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Tweeted that yeah. as. Uh, like NHL '09 or '10, I got down. I think like one of the years, eleven or twelve times during the the year on all line versus, I was able to score from the red line, and I I don't know how I did it, but I was I was able to figure out the angle, and there was like a certain glitch. And I would get, I would just get a goal. I would just take like Chris Pronger and score from the red line for no reason at all. So I mean, he had a great shot. He did. I actually, and I think one time I actually scored from my own defensive slot. I was able to put it on net. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I haven't done that in a while. I'm going to have to back into that well. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, I think Haxel just doesn't inspire. I don't think he inspires the team at all. Like, I don't think he is a guy that te- guys want to go uh, to battle for. for to a war, lack yeah, of I was going to say to war for yeah, it, so. but, yeah. but it, I, I don't know. I just don't, what is, I don't know a single redeeming quality about Haxall that would make you want to keep him around, I guess. What's so funny, I think, is that Nationally, though, people see Hackstall as a guy who's really nurtured and developed the Flyers' talent. Yeah, and it's young talent. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think all that. I don't really, I don't really agree with that, though. I don't know. I feel like well, nobody agrees with it in Philadelphia, but yeah. that's I'm saying that's the the outside Philadelphia perspective. Yeah. Is people are like, well, he's you know he did a really great job uh, teaching Shane Goss to spare some lessons, bringing him along, and. Uh, he seems to have done a nice job with Santa. Like yeah. that's how people are seeing that outside of here. Yeah. And I mean, it might. I don't know if it's, I, I, this is, so this is where I run into my, what people might see as me being soft okay. here. <laughs> this is where I run into the problem where it, it like, this makes me think, am I missing something? Because, and this is where I don't know if certain tough love approaches work or not. I wish I knew more about player development, frankly, because I don't know for sure that just letting the kids play it out work, but I don't know if teaching them stupid, tough lessons that seem stupid to us actually works. I actually don't know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't, it, it's really hard. I, I think each player is a case by case situation, but at the same time, you're talking about some of the guys that like Provorov and connect me and Patrick and, Gossip fair, like players that they kind of just let come in and attempt to have an impact immediately. But maybe those other players, maybe that doesn't 
work for well, them. Well, yeah. I, and I also, don't know that. Is the and thing. also, I think that and, guys that are just skilled enough that it, it didn't matter how you would have handled them, there would have been fine no matter what. Like, I don't think there's any way they could have handled Ghost without him coming out and playing like Ghost. Or Konechny. I don't think there's any way they could have filtered Konechny's abilities or eliminated what he did that would prevent Konechny from having crazy rush chances or doing the thing where he brings the puck in just inside the zone and then skating around the blue line. Like, I, I think it's just things that they would have done these anyway. And I think to an extent, Haxel's is eliminating it, but I don't think there's really any way it could have fully prevented. Like, I think, I think we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here in terms of giving Haxel credit or discrediting him. Or the I just don't, I actually, I'm in the middle of the spectrum. I don't know whether to give him yeah. credit. Like it's, I, I just most people are at the the end of the spectrum saying no he's an asshole absolutely not i'm just in the big question i'm a giant question <laughs> i just don't know but my thing is i just am very willing to admit that i don't know enough about player development yeah to really say I, I will say i don't know you know i don't know everything about player development it just feels like I don't know. It, it just feels like the things he's doing aren't really beneficial. I mean, he's doing things like the the Islanders game. Uh, Corbin Knight blocks a shot and he's injured. Vorobiev is still sitting on the bench when they're already down a forward. Like, that's still just... Even when they're mailing in that game and they're losing, I feel like that's still time. Oh, yeah. What, that stuff is crazy. Yeah. Like, the stuff he does late in games where he's just like, I'm going to lean on the vet here. Yeah, well that's to... well, that's what I mean. But I think that's the whole root of what i'm saying though is i'd rather in those situations i feel i feel like the kids are only gonna get better in the situations when they are put they're pressed into those situations not the 6-1 games but if it's tie late in games yeah I, i'm talking more <laughs> about the scratches here and there uh the late in game situations screw that that's ridiculous yeah, that's... i'm sorry yuri latera is not going to magically get better because it's clutch time yeah wasn't it that was a slogan a couple years ago wasn't it yeah, it was the playoff yeah, slogan. Okay. Andrew McDonald is ready for oh, clutch fucking time. Christ. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. But okay, but that's so that's what I'm saying is I'd rather go like if we're gonna do this whole thing where we're gonna lose a bunch of painful games and be the one seed, I'd rather go through and have the kids fail early on in those late game situations and then they will most likely get better at it. Like you're not unless they're just not good hockey players. They're going to eventually deal with that pressure and kind of build from it and kind of grow from it. And I'd rather have the players out there and learning from those situations. Like I'd rather have Vorobiev and Myers and Sanheim in those late game situations now. So then next year when there's more cap space and they're closer to actually competing, competing, those players are already ready. And then you can kind of work in rookies from there. I feel like the so, pace it's going at right now thing. is just taking for. It, it, I feel like it's just too long. And I know this whole process is supposed to take a while. I still feel like it's taken. I don't know. I feel like some of the guys. But how long did Winnipeg's take? I mean, it took a minute. I mean, it took it took a while. And then they got lucky with Line's getting Line. But I think that's also, I think that also speaks to why you can't fully do it. Here's the thing. Winnipeg got Shifley, right? The yeah. same year that the Flyers got Couturier. Yes. And the Flyers cycled through the end of Paul Holmgren. Ron Hextall then came in a couple years later. 
Yes. So would you say Winnipeg's process has been going since Shifley, since Buffling came on? Because they got that big defenseman, that big name years back with Buffling. I want to say it's been going on. I have to look it up. Uh, I want to say since 2014. I want to say it started for them. I, I feel like it's been... Maurice came in late in the 2013-14 season. And I think it's been going on since around that area. Which, honestly, if you're talking about the Flyers, I mean, we're waiting on Sam Moran to come back from Andrew, and he was 2013. Like, it's taken... <laughs> Sam Moran was a guy that I never really... That's... Sam Moran, I've never really had high expectations I, for. But I can see how other people do. Yeah, I have not either. I think some people think he's going to be, like, the defensive saver that... Stops all this. He's not Chris Pronger. Yeah, like he's, he's not Chris Pronger. I think he he could serve a role. I think he could be good on the penalty kill, and he could be a fine, like third pairing guy. But he's not gonna, right. But people gonna want be. him to be Chris Pronger yeah. because he's as big. He's got the size, but Chris Pronger could skate, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, and he could shoot. <laughs> that guy had. We just mentioned this a couple minutes ago, but that dude could shoot. Yeah, he really could. Um, but okay. So going back to the how long it took Winnipeg to. Winnipeg's the only team that's really, really done this, and they still got, they still got kind of lucky on the way, and they just now like it, it still took a while, and I'm wondering if it's if you're gonna go out and get a guy like JVR, do you really still have time to wait? I I don't know. I, right. I feel like there's a couple I, okay. missed like kind of mixed messages here, which doesn't really stick right. up with what I don't know what the overall idea is. Outside of shit canning hack, though, outside of shit canning hack, what else do you think they should they should do? Outside of firing Haxtell, I I mean, I would what I've been the the main thing I've been saying is just bring let some of the guys get more playing time late in games, and that'll be my idea. I feel like if you bring in somebody else besides Haxtell, though, they're going to end up not playing like Laterra and Weiss and some of the other veteran guys. I feel like he just leans on some of these guys too much. And... I don't know where you're going to find that coach, though. It's that's that's a conundrum for me. I I, I totally you think and they're I, all going to buy into. The... I feel like a broken record. No, I, I feel like so many coaches rely on veterans for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think from the veteran angle, you're kind of screwed most ways. Uh, however, from the the game st- the the gameplay style that's where you really need a, a, a change I, because I feel like- it's so stale it's so predictable everybody knows what's coming everybody knows how to game plan for the flyers well that's the thing i feel like no we know hackstall has a horrible system and doesn't really adapt to change like he doesn't do anything to try and better in game situations it does not feel like he really improves his team's chances to win throughout the game. He doesn't really... I don't think he knows he has a timeout, as you've said before. Yeah, like, it, it, that type of thing. He doesn't... Yeah, when his team's about to get... To break through the threshold of having it go from a competitive game to being out of reach, he doesn't have... He cannot sense that at all, and he lets the game slip away. And, like, there have been, you know, not... Can't really nitpick every single game, but there have just been, like, blatant chance, like, games where that's happened a game what was it three last year where i think it ended up being five to one but it went from being three to one to four to one in like five seconds 
like that and you could feel the pressure coming from the penguins before they scored the third goal like that's the time we just have to use the timeout and i guess there's no guarantee that any coach you bring in is gonna be better at that or that any coach you bring in is going to play the Robievs or the you know want Myers on the team or play Aubie Kubel as much as possible but I'd rather go with the unknown right now than what we know with Hackstall I guess is what it is sure sure I, I and again, honestly it comes down to the strategy stuff we just talked about yeah. I think he's just mismatched in every way and he just does not look like he knows what he's doing at the NHL level so and I don't I don't really and I'll be honest with you I, I don't know what options you could go for like i don't know too many guys that are out there i the the main right, that's the other big thing who are the options who's out there I, the 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 rerun guys like the guys that would be coming back would be like dave Tippett, daryl sutter i think lindy ruff's still out there like the all those guys i really don't i'm not interested in any part of, of yes but i would Tippett is a slight possibility but like daryl sutter plays a very old school defensive game and what was the other name you mentioned? Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff. I'm not. Oh yeah, it's a hard I pass. That's a hard never pass. Never support Lindy Ruff. I the, a guy that I've looked at, and one of my buddies brought up was uh, Sheldon Keefe, a guy at the front of Marley's, who is more of a. I mean, I like him because he tends to be more of a forward thinker, I guess, and he relies a lot on the numbers, and he has put out a couple of new, new ideas to, uh, I guess upgrade his team's offensive play but um i don't know if i don't know if dubis is really going to part with him because i think he's done a lot to get keith back into uh into coaching or not into coaching but back just into the work of hockey do you know do you know sheldon keith's story by the way because i i remember the name and i looked it up but there's a i i don't but before we we go over that i just want to would that be more of an issue of keith leaving Dubas due to loyalty you're talking about Dubas parting with Keefe and I mean if you're looking at like an NHL job can't you just like resign and take the NHL job yeah I mean you yeah you probably could yeah and it'd probably be more of a loyalty thing due to the the issues you were just talking about yeah and also I mean it's not like he uh, the odds aren't likely that Babcock is going anywhere anytime soon so it's not like he would get promoted to the NHL club uh, which again, I mean, I'm. I wouldn't mind seeing Scott Gordon. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing what. I, I know he had time with the Islanders, and it didn't look too well. But I don't know how many teams would have thrived with those Islanders teams. But Sheldon Terry Murray, <laughs> Sheldon uh, <laughs> Sheldon Keith was his. Uh, there was a agent named David Frost, and Sheldon Keith was on a, I believe, a junior hockey team with Mike, a guy named Mike. Uh, Dan changed his name because he was apparently abused by his parents and he hated his family and David Frost helped him get away from his family but then all these rumors came out of Dan and Frost having a sexual relationship even when this guy was even when Dan was 16 or whatever and it came out Frost sexually abused all these teenagers and then Dan tried to hire a hitman that people believe was for david frost turns out it may have been for his father that he originally left and changed his name for 
all this crazy stuff but it was a huge it was a huge deal back in like 2004 2005 and sheldon keith was like the one teammate of mike Danton that they like always talked about and was like right there to kind of like see it all unfold so he had to kind of be kind of like he had a big part in like the legal case i believe so pretty it, it's a whole thing i remember reading about it um because oh my god bob mckenzie had a book that came out like four years ago and he had a chapter on it and i was like what the fuck is all this because <laughs> i had never heard of uh i had never heard of mike Dayton. like i don't i just didn't remember the name and then to read about sheldon keith and everything and it was back when sheldon keith had made his way back to i believe he was um because dubas was with the Seuss, uh saint marie greyhounds before the 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 leafs i believe and that's where Sheldon Keefe got back into coaching and everything. And then they kind of both transitioned over to the Leafs. Whole thing. But that's not why I wanted to talk about Sheldon Keefe. I like Sheldon Keefe because apparently he's pretty analytics driven. And I would like to see that behind the bench rather than Haxtell going into the turtle. Uh, Forward career. thinking is what I want. Forward thinking. No more turtle. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, like a lot of the rage is aimed at Haxtell. And I just feel like it's pretty... <sighs> The thing, I feel like I'm still in Hextall's corner. I like the idea of if you draft and develop and you don't give out contracts that are going to kill your cap, I feel like you're going to be in pretty good shape. And I feel like Hextall does that. I just feel like the big roadblock between like where he is now and actually getting to where he wants to be is just it's his head coach and I don't know how attached he is to Hackstall. And if he's not willing to let go of Hackstall, I think I'm willing to see both of them go. And it's a point that's a point that I've mentioned a couple of times over the last couple of years, but I never thought I'd get to where it is now. Where this team was supposed to be kind of moving forward and Hackstall seems to be weighing them down. And it, there seems to be no possibility that Hextall is gone. It seems like his job is pretty safe. Yeah, I, uh, that's frustrating, but it, I'm not there with Hexy yet. I'm not there with Hexy yet. Yeah, and I mean, that's fine. I mean, I think I think it is going to get to a point, though, for everybody where... So, two years from now, what if, theoretically, let's say they re-sign McDonald? And you still have McDonald and Hextall and Hextall. How are you going to feel about the Flyers? Okay, lay that on me one more so time. So McDonald's last season as a Flyer is next season. Right. So if he's still here two years from now because they re-signed him and Hextall's the coach and Hextall's still the GM. Oh, if they re-sign McDonald, I'm going to be furious. Right. I think, I mean, I, at this point in time, I don't see a good reason why Hackstall would still be here in two years. With what he's given us for the last four years. He's the fifth longest tenured coach right now. Mike, How long is this contract for? Uh, five years. So I, is this the last year of Hacks? I believe it's five years. This, uh, so, 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18. It, next season is his last year of his contract. All right. So there's one more Hack year and one more McDonald year. So if... After both those contracts are up, both those guys are back. Yeah, I'm going to be pretty pissed off if that's the case. Yeah. So you th- you think Hacksaw is going to finish out his contract? 
I I wouldn't be shocked if Hack finished. I wouldn't be either. I think I would just be be pretty. I think this team's just going to do enough to keep his job again. And I think he's going to finish out the contract and we'll go from there. Uh, And I I unfortunately think McDonald's going to finish out the contract, which I absolutely don't agree with. I've accepted that. I've accepted it. Because I think the entire league realizes how. Uh, it, maybe he gets traded next year at the deadline, but I I'm not expecting him to go anywhere. <laughs> okay, hey, you don't know. I mean, Peter Shirelli almost traded Taylor Hall for Cody Cece. You never know. Cece's pretty fucking bad. You never know. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying McDonald for a year plus is probably not as easy to take in rather than McDonald for a month or two. If you're a team that's looking for like a seventh defenseman because that's what he is. That's what he is. Yeah, at best. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I would like to see, I think those are the two things that are kind of sticking out in my mind is I'm still worried that, because I don't think Hextall, Hextall is the answer. I, and I didn't even think about the contract until you just brought it up. So I, I guess we might have to deal with it through next year. Here past that, I don't know what to say. Like, right? I, I, if it's past that, I, I'm pissed off. No, thank you. I, I just don't know. I just don't know how. I just know how you're not upset. Like now, I guess I, I just like looking at this team I, I, the last couple. Of, and again, it's it's. I'm numb to it, Craig. Out. I'm numb to it. We've been through <laughs> the same shit for like a year. Yeah, and it's it's never bothered me as much as other people because. I still think they're in better shape than they were in a couple years ago. I still think they've got better talent. They've got a shit ton more cap room. They've got more room to do stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I think there's a process, man. And that's the only thing that really keeps me sane. I'm one of the few people that's not insanely pissed off about this because I think there's a process and people trusted the Sixers process where they were horse shit for X amount of years. So I'm going to trust this process a little more. But yeah, I'm frustrated by some things. I'm frustrated by Hackstall being an idiot. I'm frustrated by the fact that Andrew McDonald's still hanging around and Yuri Laterra and Dale Weiss. But there are a lot of positives that have come in in the past few years. And rookies have played. Rookies have gotten a chance to play. I think people go a little crazy saying that, well, no players have developed. No rookies get to play. Plenty of rookies get to play. Provorov's gotten to play. Patrick's gotten to play. Konechny's gotten his chances to play. Not as much as I think he should have. And Sanheim, same thing. But people have gotten the chance to play. There has been some progress, but not enough. All right. That's fair. Uh, would you... So I think my question would be, do you think the last part of the process is... Like, do you think Hackstall is blocking any part of the process? Do do you think when you see the process completed, do you think Hackstall is a part of it? Unfortunately, at this point, I don't. I had really high hopes for Hack at first, but the fact that he hasn't. I I remember. I, I, I think it's the fact that he hasn't shown me shit from being a progressive coach, that he doesn't have anything unique to bring to the game. He coaches like any other mediocre, long-tenured NHL coach. And that is what really gets me at the end of the day. Yeah. 
because there's a million other guys that can do that job out there. I want the guy that's going to try something new, try something progressive because the Flyers are trying something new. They're trying something they've never tried in franchise history. And that's part of why I'm not as pissed off as most of the fan base because they're trying something new. And I support that. And I want to support that. Well, that's why I, I threw out the idea of uh, Sheldon Keith because apparently that is a name that people bring up when they think of a guy that kind of brings a different approach to the game. I, I found, yeah. and I love that. I would love that. Yeah, I, I mean, and I remember found an article before the start of last season talking about available coaches, and it was it was pretty much just yeah, it was just a bunch of retreads, except for David Quinn, who is now the head coach of the Rangers, and they had Jim Montgomery, who is also now the coach of the. Dallas Stars. And I feel like honestly, I don't know if I'd be against another collegiate coach coming in, but I that might be I really don't thing. want an NHL retread. I oh no, I, I, I don't really want an don't. NHL tree retread. Oh, that's either. what I'm yeah. saying though. Like I'd be fine with a collegiate coach. I'd be fine with an NHL coach. I just don't want one of these merry go round guys who just do the same shit yeah. over and over. I want something new. That's I like progressive flyers. I want more progressive. Yeah. And also, like, they, it's not a thing where some of these retreads, like, Daryl Sutter, I think, is a guy you could bring in, not now, if we're talking about the process, but, like, more, he might be a guy you, like, the, I think the Kings brought him at the right time, where they were right on the cusp, they needed somebody else to come in, and I think he kind of pisses off his players, and that might be a good thing in short spurts for, a, a, like, a couple years before his voice kind of gets lost in the room, which is what I think it happened in Los Angeles. And I think that works better with vets yeah. than it does with rookies. Yeah. And I mean, that a player like, uh, or I mean, a coach like John Tortorella, who has actually been with Columbus for a while, but Tortorella. Shocking. I can't believe it's lasted this long. Um, yeah. He, I forget how long he's been with uh, Columbus now. It's been a couple of years, but I expected this to last maybe one year. Yeah. But that's another club that's very similar to the Flyers, where they should have made more progress than they have. Oh, yeah. They've just been, they're in the same exact area as the Flyers in the standings. And they have a Vesna winner. Well, yeah, I think that might be part of the reason why they're kind of underperforming this year. It, but Rossi's kind of sucked this year, hasn't he? Oh, he's been terrible yeah, this year. Yeah, so it's a. Uh... Well, I mean, I guess we could talk about that. Do you. I don't even I don't even look it up. Do you think they should do anything with the goaltending or just let it ride out? In Columbus? No, in Philly. <laughs> I, dude, the goaltending sucks. Yeah. I the goaltending's another uh part and again, of just pissing people off. Uh, that's it's hard Especially to... because they 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 could have just gone to Hart or Stolares as a backup early on and maybe gotten them some of that NHL time, just that experience. And instead they pick up Pickard, who's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Pants down the worst goalie Flyers had in a while, which is something. Pickard's and yeah, we have Morazic and Lion playing. <laughs> Pickard is like <laughs> Pickard is hands down worse than either of those guys. Morazic Pickard's horrible. Neuvert's good in spurts, but he's always hurt. Yeah. And Elliot plays pretty well sometimes, but when the defense is asked. Elliot super ass. Yeah. He did have Elliot did have a pair of big saves last night. He stopped Fowler in the last couple seconds of the second period to keep it uh two to one. And then when the game well there was still two to one in the third, he stopped um 
my god, he stopped the three on two chance. I think it was Pondis A Burke. Ended up having a fucking two goal game last night somehow. Uh, yeah, but the goaltending. Yeah, Morazic's better than Pickard, and Morazic had a bunch of goals last year where he wasn't even facing the play. Like Morazic had his back to the net, or like back to the play some games, and I think I take him over Pickard right now. Uh, yeah, and and coach, I mean, coaching is heavily influenced by goaltending. I mean, if you have a goaltender who's able to erase all the wars that your team has in front of them, usually you're going to get more wins and you're going to look better, unless. They, they call him Carrie Price. Well, I was going to say the big argument or the big counterpoint to that right now is the team we played last night, but we didn't get to see Exhibit A. Like John Gibson is the biggest argument against that because he is he is the Ducks. They give up the most amount of shots against per game. They take the least amount of shots per game. And like I was just saying with the high danger chances against, it's pretty much just Gibson standing on his head every night. And the Ducks have to hope they get a couple goals despite getting outshot like 30 to 20 or 40 to 15 or something obnoxious. And that's what the devils were doing a couple of years ago with uh, Corey Schneider. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Was, you know, still relatively healthy. Yeah. Devils. Yeah. They were apparently this year decided they're going to try and be good. I don't know. They got waxed last night though, but they lost eight to three, <laughs> but uh, what, what, where are we going here? Oh, we can talk about, you want to talk about, uh, Aubie Kubel? We can talk Kubel. about Aubie Kubel. Well, I'm, I'm sad though. We didn't get to, when we were talking about coaching, we didn't get to mention Mike Yeo. Oh, Mike Yeo. Oh, uh, well, I was just going to say the thing about, Yo. uh, <laughs> yeah. Mike Yeo. That's who I want to hire. <laughs> South Philly's going to love him. Philly Coach Yeo. <laughs> some water. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Mike oh, is already Coach on Yo, the... I got you some water. Mike Yo's uh, already pretty much put himself on the hot seat. And I believe he's been in St. Louis for, I think this is his third season. He hasn't been there long. And the Blues are a pretty good team. And Jake Allen's got to shit in the bed. And uh, he's already on the hot seat. So I'm just, you know, that that was just going back to the coaching, just what it would take for Hackstall to actually be on the hot seat because I feel like he's not on the hot seat now even like I, I wonder how bad the team would have to look for them for Hackstall to actually be on the hot seat the last time Hack was on a on the hot seat the Flyers had a 10 game losing streak yeah and even then Hackstall came out and said I'm not firing this guy so I you know I I don't know how dead the team has to look I don't know how bad they have to look to actually get I mean I guess that speaks to the whole coaching staff too because the penalty kill has been quite literally one of the worst two or three units every single year for the last couple of years and Ian LaPerrier still has a job because he blocked a shot in a three nothing game but <laughs> neither here nor there I guess. Albi Cabell uh played five forty four last night one shot on goal four hits 37.5 percentage. Uh, he had a nice no-look backhand pass a lot in the neutral zone. Had a couple of big hits in the third period. His shot wasn't that great, but I guess uh, a lot of Flyers fans will like him because they actually shot the puck. Nice change of pace. Shoot! Yeah. <laughs> and then Goldborn was also called up, but was scratched. Interesting. And then uh, Vorobiev got sent down. Played in one game. Didn't have any shots on goal or any points in a 3-1 to one win over the Hershey Bears on Sunday. Corbin Knight, uh, we talked about Corbin Knight earlier. Corbin Knight, 
is on the uh, was put on IR with a he blocked a shot with his hand, I believe. So it's an upper body injury. That sucks for Corbin. Knight. It does. Like, I mean, I was making fun of him earlier, but uh, you know, don't really want to see him get hurt. And also, he finally gets a shot to get back in the league, right. and he gets hurt in his second game. I think second game, like third game. I, don't, I forget. If yeah, something like that. And it, the, the fact of the matter is, this is a guy who's been waiting to get a shot for a while, and whether you agree with him getting a shot or not, it doesn't really matter. Guy yeah, gets a so shot. Close. He wants to take advantage of it, play as many NHL games as he can, and to get hurt immediately twice is just terrible. Hurt, hurt his hand, where he has to be placed on IR to block a shot in a game his team lost six to one. I mean, that's got to suck. That's got to suck pretty hard. It can't be a. That can't be a fun situation. Um, but you know, I I'm trying to think of a segue for this. But uh, I know it's been talked about. I think it's been talked about a little bit on Flyers Twitter. Don't really know. I don't go on there. But I assume there are William Nylander rumors going around and about how the Flyers should look into getting him. And uh, Elliot Freeman didn't help the case this week in 31 Thoughts when his eighth bullet said the following. Uh, weekly William Nylander update. It's a deadlock. Neither side is moving. I don't think Toronto is ready to trade him yet, but they know it's time to start considering what could be out there. Not a coincidence, Kyle Dubas's travels took him to Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Minnesota, and Carolina. All of whom could be a fit. It also wouldn't be a surprise if Toronto targeted teams it believes are a fit instead of going public with a sale sign. So, Stephen, when is William Nylander coming here? I heard he's got a plane ticket for tomorrow, which doesn't help because the Flyers are on the <laughs> West Coast, but he'll be here right. practicing in Voorhees and Voorhees. I'm getting ready. I heard he's already eating a cheesesteak. Brought in the Mike Missinelli show to talk about Golden Tate. He's uh he's really soaking in the moment here. Wow. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Uh what? <laughs> just getting that out of the way. Yeah, it's just made its work at this point. <laughs> oh, take that, United Haters of America. Yeah, we gotta percolate on the subject right now. But what do you think? What would a Nylander trade look like? I, uh, and again, uh, McDonald, Gudis, and a third. Okay, you're close. Almost. McDonald, Gudis, a fourth, a fifth in 2020, the rights to David Drake, and the rights of Val- Valerie Vasiliev. There you go. Boom. It's all about quality. I mean, what, what do you it's think? not about quality. NHL ready player and a prospect? I feel like Nylander is going to require the typical first prospect and roster player. And I feel like it's going to require, or actually, you know what? Maybe not that with him, but I feel like if you're talking about Toronto and they already have a pretty proven roster player that puts up 60 points a season and is pretty young and you know they need defense, I think one or two guys would be going to Toronto in return. And that would be Proveroff or Gossespierre, which for me is a no dog. So I'm not doing that trade. That's going to be a hard pass. Yeah, to quote Randy Jackson. <laughs> it's going to be a no for me, dog. I got those Seacrest Adams already today. I don't think they were ready for it. I was pretty proud of it. Ooh, yeah. why? I don't know. Why? Random. Dumb. Just screaming and then walk away. But I heard, When I hear Randy Jackson, I just think of Step Brothers when he has the sword. his yeah. sword. <laughs> Do you know what band Randy Jackson did drumming work for? Ah, uh, 
I knew at one point in my life I have forgotten. Well, so you've gotten dumber. Uh, Journey would be the answer. <laughs> I thought it was Journey and kiss my ass. <laughs> Just dumping you for not knowing random Journey trivia. <laughs> you don't know who the Randy Reginald Jackson played drums for R-R-J? in the 1980s? You didn't know he used to pound skins for Journey? You don't remember that? Pound skins. <laughs> The worst drumming term ever. It's not great. Steven, have you... I know you want to give up on the Flyers this year, but one, one, one word of advice would be, don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> when it comes to Dave Haxtell, I would hope that the Flyers and him would go separate ways. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hold on. They're touch and feel and squeezing. I know it's one of their songs. I don't know how to work that in there. <laughs> Good night and good hockey. <laughs> we just immediately leave. <laughs> hey, Craig, are you ready to talk about our favorite player? The That's in fact our listeners with uh, another update from German, the germ, Rupsoff. I want to figure out his actual name so I can just, get, like, his actual middle name and just state his entire name rather than use the germ or Ruby just so we can all get along once again. I'm not going to use Ruby. I'm, sorry. I'm not going to use happen. Ruby either because I respect no him. No good. It's no good. Man. Uh, it's all about so... the germ. The... Here, wait, wait. We need to lay this to bed first. The germ sounds like a classy, a cla- not a classy, <laughs> a classic <laughs> hockey nickname. Just, you know, it, it's, it, I know he's not a rat-like player, but it reminds me of like Ken the Rat Lance. Yeah, yeah, Brad Marchand type nickname. Yeah, I can see that. Right. Yeah. It just sounds like a hockey nickname. Ruby? Nah, not so much. Get out of here. Case closed. Yeah, I said it before. Ruby sounds like a kid that gets his ass kicked at lunch. <laughs> like, it sounds like a kid that's never eaten lunch at school because he never has his lunch money by the start of the period. So, anyway, Scott Gordon, Flyers head coach, uh, or future Flyers head coach. Oh, is that is this Craig from the future? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is future. <laughs> this is future Craig Forsyth. <laughs> Come here, Scott Gordon's coach. It's great. <laughs> Dude, I just I just googled German Rubstoff, and I shit you not, it says German. Page. The Germ yeah. Rubstoff is a Russian professional hockey player. Who did that? Uh, is that Kurt? No, I think. Um, oh no, wasn't it? Shit, I thought Mikey, uh, our, our one of our listeners, Mikey did it. I thought he came forward and said he did it. Yeah, because I think this came up. All last I know year. is that's yeah. you know. I saw a rat get trapped in a trash can today, but that's the highlight of it. <laughs> I enjoy how Wikipedia is doing their thing where they're asking for $3 politely. And by asking politely, I mean, they put that banner up at the top of their page that takes up three quarters of the page. Money, please. Hey, not to inconvenience you, but if everybody donated, we'd only need $3, but nobody donates. So could you give us like 20 bucks? <laughs> Fuck off, Wikipedia. Let me use your shit for free. Get out of here. Anyway, Scott Gordon, Phantoms coach via Dave Isaac. And future Flyers coach, according to future Craig. Dave Isaac, future Flyers coach, had this to say. Whoa, whoa. German roofs off. Along with Sam Carcitti, Flyers GM. <laughs> Quote, he's been probably the biggest surprise. I'd only seen him in development camp and training camp. I didn't see the things that I'm seeing right now, which is, high, him playing which is his skill level, his shot, his passing, his vision, his strength. The one thing that I had concerns about coming into the season is his skating as far as his pace of play. In a very short amount of and time, he's elevated that. Fortnite he's playing. 
what, what what's going on oh you said concerns and you said skating but you forgot to mention how much fortnite he plays oh yeah well i i think he finally That's the primary concern finally stopped Come on. playing fortnite to stop worrying about those victory royales and he's uh actually focused on the hockey and turns out pretty decent i want to bring this up because i usually dunk on jeremy roofs off because he puts up pretty he put up pretty bad point totals in the qmjhl although he was a key member of that a, a katie bathurst teton team that won the memorial cup and uh in the a- ahl so far four goals and two assists and for six points in nine games 17 shots uh according to the the fancy stats that are uh that are uh created and covered by uh vard Kiefer on the site uh 15 5 on 5 individual Corsi 4 50.93 Corsi 4 percentage and a 2.85 relative Corsi 4 percentage so and he's also drawn three penalties and he hasn't taken a penalty yet so he's having a pretty good season looking pretty good at the ahl pretty, level pretty, pretty so good. this leads to my next thing that if uh he's not on the team by the end of the week hackstall should be fired because he's not playing the kids that's my new stance Wow! <laughs> what was that one? Was that like an old? <laughs> that was a oh, weird one. It sounded like a dying oh, cat. Yeah. <laughs> My voice wasn't ready for oh, that. Also with a cane. Wow! <laughs> that's no, that's cat <laughs> Owen Wilson for Halloween. It's a black cat, Owen Wilson. Meow and Wilson. <laughs> good night and good hockey. Oh boy! Ew, boy. Uh, what else? What else we got to talk about here? What else haven't we talked about yet? We haven't talked about Wing Bowl. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Wing Bowl. R.I.P. Day. Yeah. Apparently, R.I.P. <laughs> what? It gets me every time. It gets me <laughs> every damn time. What is... So they just were like, yeah, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so we're not going to watch all these animals eat wings. Is that what they said? <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Um, I remember the story being that Wing Bowl happened in the first place because every time teams were in the Super Bowl in that week in between... We, they didn't have anything to talk about because God forbid WIP talk about any of the other sports in town. So no hot take, hot take. <laughs> hot take. <laughs> That's, that was the origin. Of, <laughs> that was the origin of wing bowl, wing bowl, wing bowl. But uh, apparently now that the Eagles have actually won the Super Bowl, they're saying uh, they're going to end wing bowl. I actually think this is an elaborate marketing ploy to get people to clamor to do one last wing bowl and then they can do the final wing bowl which can you imagine that that would be the highest level of human decency would be to watch the final wing bowl knowing that by the way for those who don't know what the wing bowl is should we explain what the wing bowl is it's just pretty much i would love nothing more so to summarize the wing bowl uh whoever wins usually it's 900 wings there usually people throw up you walk into the wing bowl uh kind of carted around like a sultan back in the old <laughs> old days and with strippers <laughs> surrounding your sultan's like cart whatever you call that thing all right you 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 get a special wing bowl name you have strippers escort you in it's real classy yeah, it's, it's good nice. it's a good look for philly and i just know there's always like always videos of like fights that break out in the upper bowl there's fights that break out there are many many people 
obnoxiously drunk and vomiting. But uh, drunk, was, the thing starts at like what eight, and people are already hammered. People are already hammered. People get there at five a.m. and start drinking. Yeah, it's a thing. My mom had my mom had one regret in life, and it was attending a wing ball. <laughs> I just love that because I thought you were going to go the exact opposite way. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, she never attended a wing bowl. (laughs) She was upset she never went. And you're just like, no, she's pretty bummed out. She actually went. She's really, my mom was like, that was the worst experience of my life. It's essentially the most obnoxious event in America. Yeah, so naturally it's based around Philly sports talk radio. People are very upset. There's a fucking Mike Missanelli the... show, by the way. Did we talk about, like a TV show? You seen this? You heard about this? <laughs> seen this? Hey, Craig, you not hearing about this show before now? That's a violation, bro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I wish. Yeah, I, I was at a bar it. last week. I was at a bar last week, and that was just on one of the TVs. <sighs> and I looked up, and I'm just like, this is. Is this a form of torture? <laughs> I looked. Well, I usually, uh, I usually just watch stuff on my my xbox now so the last thing i watched on tv was the the flyers game last night and then i turned my tv back on today at like seven and it was like the mike messinelli show i was like oh no 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 what is this <laughs> oh i don't need this <laughs> i don't need this coming through my the, the walls of my home i just want to keep this in my car and i've always wondered why the holy hell we need this whole four-hour radio show televised like i get when we put broad street hockey radio on facebook live but who wants this entire long radio show televised it's a good question i i mean i love dan patrick and they did it with dan patrick or they do it with dan patrick show too and they do it with mike right, and mike can't you just listen to it yeah like what's what's the point i, I don't know <laughs> right <laughs> believe me i'm really glad that nobody can see me right now <laughs> i'm really glad it's you I'm a mess. I'm not Durston. Oh, okay. No Durston happened. You got my hopes up. Tonight. I stood up. I got crouched over. I was like, oh shit, is he Durston? Oh shit, is he Durston? Yeah, is he Durston right now? You Durston, bro? It's going to be my new thing. No. Like... <laughs> it's going to be my new thing at bars. Yeah, you Durston? <laughs> you Durston? I completely let's... see them. <laughs> For the next Broad Street Hockey event, let's just double Durst it on the way in. <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> We're a hundred percent. I'm guaranteeing this now. We're gonna double Durst it. Look for the Durst Bros. Durst. <laughs> Next PSH watch party. <laughs> double dip. <laughs> double dipping on Durst. Double dipping on Durst. Durst. Dots. Is that what we're about to do? Just roll in, Fred Durst. Durst dots. Durst and dots. Come least two flavors. Appetizing Chocolate food ever. Starfish and hot dog oh, flavored water. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh boy, Ooh, that is some that is some ice cream or whatever the fuck Dippin' Dots is. I don't want to touch. Dippin' Dots is ice cream, yeah. It's it's some bullshit. Yeah. It's like cold. It's like flavored ice cubes. Is what it is. I don't even know. More or less, yeah. I, my buddy. I went to a Flyers game. My buddy drunkenly spent five bucks in that machine. <laughs> he regretted it instantly. He's like, "This is horrible." <laughs> I had one. I think I had him once ten years ago. Not bad. I had him at a Phillies game. The Phillies game, and I think the Phillies game was. Uh, I went to the game where the guy threw up on the little girl. 
Do you remember that game? <laughs> How could I forget? Yeah, so that game, so look, that game I was in the upper deck of left field, or right field. One with like a bunch of my college buddies. We saw two girls just start swinging at each other. Like just haymakers. And they fought for like a minute before it's like a bunch of other people were like, all right, let's calm down. And like started again to break it up. Took them forever to break it up. And as soon as it ended, somebody hit a dinger to left field. And it was just like the craziest amount of pandemonium for five minutes in the upper deck there. And then we found out <laughs> on on the, the ride back going, we found out that that guy, uh, Ralph, on the little girl. So this is good. We're just talking about all of the talking points of uh, the highlights of Philly sports fans right now. <laughs> that guy. Let's talk Wimble. about the annual high school fights at the <laughs> Phillies home opener for years. Let's talk about snowballs at santa talk about the 700 level we'll just get it all out right now let's get it all out let's talk about the cats that ran veteran stadium for years <laughs> the stray cats i would talk to i forget who i was talking about but uh i went to game six of flyers penguins in 2009 and let me tell you leaving that building oh that was that was a rough go i saw there's one Penguins fan in my section had 15 drinks thrown at him, like while we were walking out. Got to the bottom of my section, saw one Flyers fan beating the shit out of a Penguins fan. Went outside, saw another fight. Like on the way out, there were like these two Penguins fans that just, there was like a mob of Flyers fans walking behind them, just yelling shit at them, trying to get in the fight. It was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. I think it was the worst situation I've been in at a Flyers game. And I mean, I guess expectedly so, because it was uh, a pretty rough outcome and a pretty hard way to end the season. But uh, yeah, so there we go. That's Philly, Philly sports fans. They got the wing bowl. <laughs> got that. But I don't think I've ever been to another Flyers. There's not really, I don't know. There have been really terrible situations that Flyers games I've run into besides that one. It's usually pretty calm. Well, Craig, did you... um? Do you want to take this occasion to make our big announcement? Yes. Did uh, You forgot it already. You forgot it. Guys, we have a huge announcement. Wing Bowl is carrying on. Flyperbole is your new home of Wing no, Bowl. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> like at all. <laughs> do not joke about that. What do you mean? We don't need all the... A wing door was going to come over. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was going to just put some cones at the end of my street, have some fat guys and strippers walk down the middle of the street and eat wings. We don't, everybody's invited. We don't need all the Vinnies and Sal's of the world to come up to us. Man. Listen, South Philly Sal, my next door neighbor is very excited about this. We're planning it together. He's getting the cones. I'm getting the people to come. So come on oh down day Friday before the Super Bowl. Come on folks. Do you, I think, I'm going to give WIP credit. I'm going to say that they were looking for a reason to end it. And they used that as a lame excuse. And they're like, we can't do this anymore because it's not, it's just not right. I'm not going to buy into the whole thing. That... We can't do this anymore because my stomach can't take another year. <laughs> didn't, didn't like last year's one of the eat an obnoxious amount of wings. Like it was triple digits. Was it not? They always eat an insane amount yeah. of wings. Every year. That's... I don't care to look it up, and I don't plan on doing it. I'm going to look it up tomorrow on my work computer. 
what I'm going to do. Oh, please do. Please do. Tweet it out. <laughs> I'm going to get that's going to be my new thing at work after I got yelled at about Slack because I'm going <laughs> to look up Wing Bowl Facts. At wingbowlfacts.org. <laughs> so, yeah. Dot blogspot.com. <laughs> dot clown. <laughs> Fart. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, my God. Clown penis. I mean, it is Halloween. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. You know, it is the season. Yeah. Are we kids? All right. It's the season. Hey, Craig, you want to do around the around the league? Oh, baby. So Gary Bettman announced a multi-year partnership with MGM Resorts International on Monday. Uh, pretty much to help. He's going to share data that the league has to for gambling lines, I guess. Uh, so pretty much the NHL is uh, leaning into the whole gambling aspect of the game, much like the NBA has. Not really against it. Uh, it's not the worst idea. Uh, Tom Wilson's suspension has been upheld after he tried to appeal it. Cash Navarro played 10 games, so he's got 10 more games to go. Mark Borowiecki suspended again. If you remember last week, he got suspended for... Uh, an elbow to Yuri Vakaninen, a defenseman for the Browns. And now he has three games, spent three games for an illegal check to the head of Cody Eakin against uh, the Golden Knights on Sunday. Speaking of the Golden Knights, Nate Schmidt has an extent, signed an extension, six years, 5.95 million cap hit. Starts next season. He has eight games left on his suspension. Uh, Jordan Tutu retired, Steve. 161 points, 1,010 penalty minutes, and 723 games over 13 seasons for what four NHL teams? Sadly, I've already looked at the show. Oh. All right. Well, then, in that case, fuck Sorry. you. Sorry. Predators, Red Wings, what? Devils, Blackhawks. So, I... How long? I can't believe Jordan Tutu was in the league for 13 years. I can't believe it either, but he was definitely there to punch people in the face. I like that's a guy. If you had asked me before I looked at the sheet, how many years did Jordan Tutu play? And when did he retire? I would have said seven and 2010. <laughs> I, I really I only remember him in a Predators jersey. Like, I swear to God, I really only remember him. He was on a Flyers divisional rival, and I barely remember that time. I don't remember him playing for the Devils. I remember the Red Wings. I do remember the See, Red Wings. I don't Wings. remember the Red Wings part. I just remember the Predators and, like, those old shiny silver jerseys, like the, the silver emblem, where it was a lot oh, more. Man, those ones sucked. Yeah, big time. And I remember him in those things, though. Back in the Martin Erat, David Legwand days. Very trots. Oh, Martin Erat. You mean the guy who got traded for Philip Forsberg straight up? Yeah. That joke. That Martin Erat? That joke doesn't have as much thing anymore just because, uh, you know, Capitals actually won the goddamn cup. So it's not as funny. I know, it's but still it's still funny. It's, it's still funny because Martin Erat, I was, laughed a it little. was a bad trade. Yeah, it was a terrible trade. <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> trade. Just imagine how good that I mean, cup You team... can always laugh at bad trades. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just imagine how good that cup team would have been with uh, Philip Forsberg. And also, if they had drafted uh, Toivo Teravine instead of uh, Tom Wilson. But I digress. Injuries. Jonathan Quick out indefinitely after he had surgery to repair a torn meniscus. Austin Matthews out around a month with a shoulder injury. At least a month, I should say. Brandon Sutter is week to week with a class case of UBI after he crashed into the boards. And then Sven Edgeregetto is week to week with a class case of the LBI. 
Corey Schneider just came back from IR. He stopped five of six shots in 14.58 of relief in last night's 8-3 loss to the Lightning. Uh, I think Keith Kincaid gave up. So let's see what, what the math was. Seven goals on, I think it was like 22 shots. It, he had a pretty bad night. Travis Amonic. I mean, it was Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tam- Tampa Bay, by the way, who got rolled over by the Coyotes. Coyotes, my yotes. My th- quietly, quietly I five for Allen. Yeah, I'm Allen. I'm Allen for those five skaters. Uh, Travis Monick <laughs> had one goal and seven sh- has one goal, seven shots, and average ice time of 1949 in the four games since he returned from injury. Got hurt in the season debut against Vancouver. Matt Bolesky assigned to the AHL had him play a game for the Rangers this year, and he has zero points in his minus one and two games against or with the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, former NHL president John Ziegler passed away on Thursday. He was president of the NHL from 1977 to 1992, so he was Bettman's predecessor, and then he oversaw the NHL-WHA merger. Yeah, it's a shame about Ziegler. Uh, bad news, and uh, you know, just uh, condolences to his family. But well, thanks everybody for listening. If you have any feedback for the show best place is on twitter you can reach craig at sports are bad yeah and uh if you're listening right now there should be a return flight out uh it's about the king's flyers game back in 2010 when the flyers scored seven goals and mike richards and jonathan bernier talked a lot of shit to each other and then friday i should have a nhle piece out i'm going to start trying to do a monthly uh I guess recap of NHLE production for each Flyers prospect and NHLE is NHL equivalency. So pretty much, uh, I think it was Rob Volman who created the stat looks through, uh, each league and figures out what would be equivalent production in that league to NHL point totals. And I think, so for example, I think the NHL equivalent is 0.486. So if a player had nine points in 15 AHL games, you multiply their nine points by 0.486, and they would have the equivalent of like four points in the NHL if they had played 15 AHL games. So look out for that. 37 Flyers prospects. Should be out Friday. All right. I'll see. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Day bow bow. Did you watch the uh, Dodgers marathon on Friday? Dodgers Red Sox game that went eighteen. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, so. I watched some of it. It was an insanely long game. Oh yeah, I watched all of it because I'm a maniac. Game ended at like three thirty-eight. Uh, did, but I think it was. Uh, I think the guy's name was Walker Bueller, the pitcher for the Dodgers. I don't watch baseball a lot, so. but whenever he got a strikeout, they would do the. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Nah, I didn't I actually hear about that. Yeah. So. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> hey, bow, bow. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird freaking song, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's you one of those it? things that sometimes I'll just like kind of sit up and go, why did somebody make this song? <laughs> I love it, but but why? Do you uh do you know who made it? I do not off the top of my head. Hello shitty band named yellow obviously they're only hit because they were all a bunch of weirdos i assume I but assume. uh it's, it's a good assumption i yeah, got lucky with uh ferris bueller and uh then later on it's always sunny referencing that song oh yeah 
great on always, uh, great on Sunny, great on Sunny for sure. Uh, if you have any feedback, and uh, Craig sports are bad, I can be reached at Flyperbole. Uh, use Flyperbole for any hockey, any non-hockey. Uh, feel free to reach out to me at Estebom, where you can hear about uh, apparently rat stories right now. That's <laughs> that's what's going on. Yeah, my one buddy said that the the rat on my street should fight the union rat. And I, I believe that Peter might be involved with that. Yeah, even if one, this... even if one isn't real, they, you know how they get. They're very. The union rat is inflatable. It does not have feelings except for one feeling, and that one feeling is that it hates scabs. <laughs> hates them. <laughs> also, be sure to follow yeah. Broad Street Hockey and BSH Radio. And that's all we got. So, folks, hope you enjoyed your Halloween. Hope you enjoyed your trick-or-treating. Thanksgiving and Christmas around the corner, so prepare to gain a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. I'm already there. I'm already beating that curve. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to get to Bart Simpson. I wash myself with a rag on a stick territory soon, and <laughs> I'll be good to go. Sound as a pound. Uh, folks, we do thank you for listening. And until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. Sorry, not sorry. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve. But not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly.